I'm Samara. Um, you don't see me up here too much, so if you haven't met me, hello. Um, I have this super, super fun job here of getting to hang out with all of the girls and also um, help the girl leaders take care of everyone. Um, and I'm really excited to be looking at the Bible with you tonight. Um, let me tell you about my job. I work at Glory Jeans at Woi Woi. Um, and since working at Glory Jeans, I have discovered that people drink a lot of coffee, like a lot of coffee. Um, also, humans are creatures of habit. Um, on any given day, I reckon I could tell you at least 30 people who I know for sure will come in at some point during that day. Um, and because I am an excellent brewster, I could probably also tell you like, what the majority of those people will order as well. Um, one of the super regular customers at work has decided that it's fun to playfully pick on me. He calls me Cranky McCrankiston, or Captain Cranky, um, every time he sees me. Um, I promise you that this is not because I'm actually cranky, but it's actually because I'm a delight to be around, and the thought of me being cranky is actually bewildering to him, and he's being ironic. Um, so I tell you that story. Because one person who is actually a cranky McCrankerson in our Galatians passage today is Paul, for good reason. Um, we've seen glimpses of him being upset, concerned, frustrated in Galatians so far. Um, the message of this whole letter is, you've turned away from the true gospel, Galatians. The only true message about how to be right with God. Stop it. Here's where you've gone wrong, and here's what the true gospel is. And then we get to tonight's passage, and we see Paul explode. Um, did you see him in verse 1? Take a look. You foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Before your eyes, Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed as crucified. He's cranky. And after that, he, he interrogates them with a whole bunch of rhetorical questions. There's like six of them in a row. But he's angry for a very good reason. He knows that there is only one true gospel that will save the Galatians and he loves them so much and he's so concerned that they understand and follow this one true gospel. Tonight we're going to be answering the big question, what is this true gospel? Paul's going to be explaining in this passage what the true gospel is, the only way to be right with God. So if you're unsure about where you stand with God, listen up. Also, if you're already a Christian and you reckon you know what the true gospel is pretty well, let me point something out. The Galatians were people calling themselves Christians who lost their hold on the true gospel. And last week we saw how Peter acted out, out of line with the gospel. We want to keep on reminding ourselves of the gospel and know it like the back of our hand so that we never even come close to losing our hold in it or even accidentally acting out of line with it. So, listen up. So what is the true gospel? Three things. Faith alone, grace alone, Jesus alone. Number one, the true gospel is faith alone. After his initial angry verses, Paul starts talking about a guy called Abraham to show them what the true gospel is. Take a look with me. Look at verse 6. So also Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. Abraham was this famous old guy who was the ancestor of all of the Jews. He was the beginning of God's nation of people. And Paul uses Abraham to show that right from the very beginning, the way God's people are right with him 
is by trusting in him and depending upon him to save them. The record of Abraham's life is in the Old Testament, the first half of the Bible, and Paul quotes a part of this record that tells us about why and how Abraham was right with God. The word it uses for being right with God here is righteous. He quotes from Genesis chapter 15 where God's just made this massive promise to Abraham about him having heaps of descendants, even though at this point in time Abraham was super old and had no kids. Um, And how was Abraham right with God in this context? Have a look again, verse 6. So Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. Abraham was righteous, right with God, by believing God, by depending upon God and trusting that God would keep his promises. And then Paul says... What was always true about how to get right with God, ever since Abraham, is also true for us. This is the true gospel. Look at verse 9. So those who rely on faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. Let's talk about arguments. Have you ever had an argument with people who are incredibly good at arguing? Mums are often these people. Maybe you have a friend who is always right. Like, it is annoying how right they are. And have you ever been in an argument with someone like that and you find that they use your very own words against you? Like, they are that much smarter than you that they can actually use the point that you're making and prove themselves right. That's Paul. Paul picks up on one of the big Jewish heroes, Abraham, one that the Galatians might be tempted to look at and go, hey, Abraham, he was circumcised, he did stuff to be right with God. And Paul uses their very own Jewish champion to prove himself right. He says, no, look at your Bibles. Even your biggest hero was saved by faith. The true gospel is all about faith, putting your trust in a trustworthy God. That's number one. What is the true gospel, the true message that saves? Faith alone. Secondly, what is the true gospel? Grace alone. Okay, two things you can rely on to be right with God. One, works, what you earn or what you deserve. Or two, grace, a free gift that you don't earn or deserve. All right, lock those away. We're coming back to them in a second. Two things you can rely on to be right with God. Either works, what you earn and deserve, or grace, what you don't earn or deserve. Uh, From verses 10 to 14, Paul's talking about the law. Um, Let me give you a two-sentence description of the law. The law is the standards that God gave the Jews to live by. You've probably heard of the Ten Commandments. They're probably the most famous part of the law, um, a summary of all of it. And here's the deal with the law. Take a look at verse 12. Find verse 12 in your Bibles. Hold on, I've turned to Ephesians. Let me go back to Galatians. All right, verse 12. The law is not based on faith. On the contrary, it says, the person who does these things will live by them. Under the law you get life. You're right with God if you can do the whole law. And here's the flip side, verse 10. For all who rely on the works of the law are under a curse. As it is written, cursed is everyone who does not continue to do everything written in the book of the law. If you don't keep 
God's good law fully and continuously, then the pure, perfect and good God of the universe has a problem with that. You're under his curse. You're not right with him. And this is devastating news for us because the Bible tells us and we know in ourselves that not one of us has ever kept the law, which means that we're stuck. We're not right with God. We're under a curse. Now, you guys tell me, which of the two categories we talked about before does the law fit into, works or grace? You tell me. Yeah, go for it. Yeah, it's works. It's about earning something, doing something. So where do works leave us? Where does the law leave us? Cursed, dead. That is not a message that's able to give life. And so if there is a true gospel that is able to give life, it can't be based on works. It has to be based on grace. And in one sec, we'll look at exactly how that is. The problem with the Galatians is that they had this message of grace. They had the true gospel, except now they're turning back to the law, to works. That thing that they've had for centuries, and for centuries they've seen how it doesn't give life. It's like aeroplanes. For a long, long time, people have been obsessed with the idea of flying. And there have been a lot of crazy attempts throughout history to invent flying machines. Here are a couple of the stupidest that I could find. I cannot believe that people thought that strapping wings to a bicycle or whatever the heck that guy's doing with those things would actually work. Then along came aeroplanes, all right? And now we can fly pretty much wherever we want. So at this point in history right now, now that we have aeroplanes, how stupid would you have to be to go back to any of these failures? That's what the Galatians going back to the law is like. They have seen for centuries that the law doesn't work. They've been given the true gospel of grace, the aeroplane that does work, and for some ridiculous reason, they're going back to the law, to flapping their arms up and down and trying to fly. It's stupidity. The law, trusting in works, doesn't work. If there is a true gospel that gives life, it must be by grace alone. So, the true gospel, the message by which you can be right with God, is faith alone, grace alone, and here's point number three, Jesus alone. So here's where our actions leave us. Here's where our works leave us. Take a look at verse 11. Clearly no one who who relies on the law is justified, is right before God because the righteous will live by faith. Where the law leaves us, where our works leave us, we are lawbreakers, we're under God's curse, all of us, every single human except one. When humanity is trapped as enemies of God, people who have rejected and disobeyed him, Incredibly, he still loves us and enters this world himself to save us. Enter Jesus. Jesus is the only one who was never under a curse. Why? Because he was the only one who perfectly obeyed God's law. 1 Peter 2 tells us that Jesus committed no sin. He never disobeyed God. 
And so he is the only one who is not under a curse. And Paul's saying that's the one you put your faith in. That's the one you put your trust in. If you put your trust in Jesus, you'll be forgiven for your disobedience and made right with God. The curse will be lifted. At this point, a great question to ask is how? How is me putting my trust in this man going to save me and do what the law can't do? And that's exactly what Paul tells us in verse 13. All right, listen up. If you've been dozing off, you need to wake up and get on the edge of your seat because what you're about to hear in this verse is the heart of Christianity. It is the heart of the Christian message in one sentence and it's wonderful. Have a read along with me, verse 13, find it in your Bible. Christ redeemed us, freed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who is hung on a pole. This is the best news in the entire universe. Jesus, the only one who was never cursed, volunteered to take on our curse upon himself in order to rescue us from it. It's unbelievable. This is the message of Christianity. This is the true gospel that God is inviting you to believe and be saved by. He did it by being hung on a cross, by being crucified. In the most staggering and awesome moment in history, after living a sinless and perfect life by obeying God perfectly, he gave his life in our place. He became our substitute. He took our place. He paid the debt that we owed God. It's like the Hunger Games. The heart of the Hunger Games is Katniss volunteering to substitute herself for a little sister Prim. It's a story about the girl giving her life for her sister's life and we see it and we read it and we love it and we know how beautiful and good this volunteer of a substitute is. How much more beautiful and worthy of our love and adoration is the real person, Jesus, the God of the universe, becoming our substitute to free us from the curse that we deserve? And so love Jesus. Be thankful. It's amazing. The true gospel is Jesus alone. Jesus is the only way you can be right with God. It's amazing to me that anyone could abandon this true gospel. How could you turn away from something so good and your only way of being right with God? But people do, the Galatians do, and all of us face the temptation to every day. So to finish, I want us to figure out what might tempt us to abandon this gospel so that we can take action to make sure that that temptation never wins and we stick with the true faith alone, grace alone, Jesus alone gospel till the end. I'm going to describe two different ways that we might be tempted to either not accept the true gospel in the first place or to abandon it. And while I'm saying this, I want you to think about yourself and I want you to self-diagnose while I'm describing. That means figure out which of these two ways you fit into as the thing most likely to tempt you away from the true gospel. Number one, maybe the thing that will draw you away from this gospel is that you don't see the need for it. This might be you if you think that you're already all right with God. You might think that God reckons you're pretty lovable. 
that you're a pretty decent person. Why would you need saving? You and God are sweet. Those of us who struggle to see how awful and offensive our sin is to God need to have another read of the law and see how completely we fail at continuously and perfectly keeping it. And then we need to look at the cross. If you believe that humans are pretty decent and don't need saving, then you need to explain why God would send his son to die in such a terrible way if we didn't really need it. Number two, maybe the thing that will tempt you away from believing the true gospel is because you think you're too dirty. Maybe your disobedience to God is clear to you and you worry that your sin is too dark and too deep to be cleaned by God. Maybe you come to church and youth group as some kind of a way to try and make up for what you've done. Or maybe you're going to beat up yourself about your sin until you think that you've punished yourself enough to satisfy God. The Bible is making it clear tonight that is not the way it works. God's invitation to you, if you're serious about following him, is throw yourself entirely upon God's grace that he shows us in Jesus. Rely upon God and trust completely in Jesus' perfect substitute, which is more than able to fully and completely make you clean and right with God. Jesus has freed you from the curse. The true gospel is faith alone, grace alone, Jesus alone. And I, for one, am incredibly thankful that that is the case. How about I pray and thank God for that? Dear God, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you've revealed yourself clearly to us in it. And we thank you that we can read it and we can see the true gospel, the good news, the message about how to be right with you. We thank you, God, that this has um, nothing to do with our own actions, our own works, because we know that if it was, um, we would be left under a curse, dead in our sin. We thank you so much for Jesus, that you offer us a way out of the curse that we deserve. We thank you that you are willing to take our place and become a curse for us. We pray that we'd accept this. We pray that we would love you for it. We pray that it would change the way that we live. Amen.